I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club. We are here, we're ready to review a film, and of course, I am joined by loyal film reviewer, Callum. How are you doing today, and you're ready to do some more reviewing? I'm alright, yeah. I always, every every week I always say I'm alright. Um, I don't know, when we're out of lockdown I might say I'm, I'm more than alright, I'm ecstatic. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, the, that, as we keep teasing the first one we're going to do with the clinking of glasses in a pub, you'll be absolutely, yeah. you know, walking on the ceiling. I must say, like these, the I was say, these things do keep me sane. It is nice. I always sort of finish the work day with on a sort of a low ebb, and then uh, we we meet up weekly, having watched a a great film, uh, and then have a chat, and I feel uh, I feel lifted. It's, it's, lovely. it's, it's lovely. a double, isn't it? We get to have a great conversation, but also we watch fantastic films. I feel forcing yourself to watch uh, top films, classic films, new films is a good habit because it, sometimes it's just easy, isn't it, to throw on the the American teen college film in the background and watch all the American pies and fall asleep on the sofa to it. Whereas, you know, force yourself to watch the good films. You feel all the better for it afterwards. And that's what we keep on doing. And we'll keep on reviewing them. And this week is no different, Callum. It's a new film. None of the classics this week. It's a new film, but with a classic heavily referenced within it. The film is Mank. It was released in December on Netflix, and that is December of last year, so very recently. It's been touted to be knocked about at the Oscars for this year. A strange year for the Oscars, of course, as there's been very, very limited cinema viewing. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But Mank, the film, it is based on writer Herman Mankiewicz, Mankiewicz, one of those pronunciations I think is correct, who wrote the screenplay for Citizen Kane, which was released in 1941. I think I'm correct. Also there, Callum, are you giving me the nod, shake? Uh, Yeah, I'll uh, go with that, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I feel um, <laughs> this week I've actually tried to get some um, stats and dates in normally you're the man with that so I'm really self-conscious of throwing them in there anyway let's crack on Citizen Kane 1941 so this story this film it's black and white but it is portraying their life and the building up to the writing and the process of writing Citizen Kane of Herman Mankiewicz also features the character of Orson Welles in there, who produced, directed, starred in, and also got a shared writing credit for Citizen Kane, which is widely deemed in many circles as the greatest film of all time. Callum was just saying to me earlier, Rotten Tomato was 100%, so, you know, that's something to aim for as a as a film producer, director, filmmaker. I imagine at the time they were thinking... Orson Welles was sat there and he stood thinking, if I can just get 100% on Rotten Tomatoes from this, then we would have made it. <laughs> so look, he's really got there then. Forget the Oscars. Anyway, the film tracks this kind of dual na- narrative of Herman Mankiewicz. He has been sent to what we might be found as a bit of a retreat as he is an alcoholic. He's been sent away and said, right, you've got 30 days to write the screenplay. Orson Welles will be checking in on you. He's um, been in a car crash before it, so he's bed-bound. He's got 
a nurse there looking after him and he's also got a typist to help him type as he recites the lines for the script. It then bounces between his life building up to it, his life in the film industry, how he got into screenwriting and also very importantly his relationships with other writers but the executives in the film world because this blends together into what he wrote Citizen Kane about and it was these big executives, the big big guys of Hollywood, the uh, big political players, and basically having a dig at them, bringing them down and depicting them in the film Citizen Kane. So it's basically the context behind the film Citizen Kane. That's essentially what this film is. It's a big cast in this. You've got Gary Oldman playing Herman Mankiewicz. Great performance, may I add, but we'll get into that. We've got Lily Collins in there. We've got Amanda Seyfried, Charles Dance, amongst many other big-name actors like I said, it's black and white, so always a bold step for a film that's been released in the modern day and directed by David Fincher, another huge name in the directing world. He did Fight Club, Zodiac, which we also reviewed on this. And an interesting backstory to it is that the screenplay for this was written by David Fincher's father in the late 90s, I believe it was. It was going to go into production then. One thing led to another... His dad passed away a few years after it was going to go into production, but it's been revived now, 20-odd years on, and here it is. So, that's the overview, Callum. I think I've given a nice little flavour of it. Yeah, that was, that, that was comprehensive. That was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But what was your initial feeling from watching it? Did the story grab you, and did you feel involved in the plot? I think, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I should have watched Citizen Kane <laughs> before yeah, let's just have a big disclaimer at the beginning because i feel yeah. really bad for this after we've just been talking it up neither of us have watched citizen kane we feel really bad for this as two guys who are on a film review podcast but we are going to watch it and before yeah, watching indeed. this i thought should i watch it beforehand and i was like okay no i'm not going to force myself to watch it if i haven't already watched it then the film should be able to stand up on its own without the full context behind it. We'll see whether that's true or not. But carry on, Callum, mm. and your apology <clears throat> for not watching Citizen Kane. No, indeed. Um, I think the uh, the thing that I really liked about it was the... I found the history quite... In- I found the history more interesting than the actual um, mechanics of the film itself. Like, the setting's brilliant. Um, the way the camera and the way the script has kind of captured the the sort of the nineteen thirties Hollywood bubble I think is um is really really cool uh like I love the score like the nineteen thirties jazz score that's sort of um yeah. constantly at play particularly when there's all these um long scenes with different screenwriters from the thirties talking about their latest projects and I I feel like that that's the thing that gives the film pace I was quite um invested in the film when it was uh, with those scenes with the different screenwriters and stuff, and I guess the the point of the score really was to sort of mirror the, I guess the uh, the theatricality of um, of screenwriting, I guess, um, or or at least at least the volume of which the screenwriters were expected to produce in the thirties. I, I get mm-hmm. the even like it it it's sort of a comment on the sort of the the the, the wealth and influence, um, artistic, cultural. And political, for that matter, of Hollywood in the thirties, um, and it's definitely sort of uh, saying that Hollywood is a in the thirties. It's captured that modernism of it, that sort of the 
the the the the sort of the cultural it's forming itself as this cultural thing it's become this commercial thing where writers are basically expected to write scripts very very quickly and then they're supposed to be filmed very quickly and then put out into theaters across the the u.s very quickly um and it's capturing that sort of the pace of modern life that's coming out of the 30s which again is also quite interesting because the film focuses on all these screenwriters obviously it's focusing specifically on the writing of citizen kane but there's so many different references to 1930s playwrights 1930s screenwriters um and it's 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 its own bubble it's its own bubble but it's set again on the backdrop of the great depression and you would not know that the great depression is happening at this point because it's all about this sort of the the wealth and the influence and the you know the of an industry that's flourishing um or at least it's beginning to flourish in a context of incredible wealth inequality and incredible economic depression um i thought it was great capturing the sort of the the arrogance or at least the arrogant confidence i guess of the screenwriters you know um and there's a great scene that we'll talk about later of when they're talking about the rise of hitler in germany that was my yeah. favorite scene yeah, yeah, that was yeah. such a good scene but yeah i guess it's yeah i mean for me i found the historical uh, sort of baggage that the film brought to it really I found that that was the most interesting thing about it um, and that was the thing that gripped me but for me I don't know I just wasn't necessarily I guess as excited about it as what some of the critics were saying but again I guess we should have watched Citizen Kane beforehand maybe I don't know I don't know it will be interesting to see after watching that whether the excitement kind of comes into this because i was thinking that a lot throughout it was that this is great it's really interesting but i was like will i be more infused by this if i was like a big fan of citizen kane it feels like the film for the fan the obsessive of citizen kane because that's what i wanted to open with what you've kind of delved into there's the historical element and that was what i found most fascinating is what is essentially a very important period of time in terms of film history the writing process behind one of the greatest films of all time and then to pull back the curtain on that and display it i think is a fantastic premise for a film and it's really interesting you know as people who love history like you and i anything like that's always going to be fascinating so especially in the world of film film history even more alluring so that's why i got intrigued by was looking at that like you said showing hollywood at that time showing the beginning of the talkies going from silent film to audio and sound in film obviously a great change and there's change in how films were portrayed and actors becoming more famous for the way they spoke rather than the way they acted but also this kind of um, conflicts between the writer and the industry and also the tension between Orson Welles just seeing a character like that being in it that for me stood out but I was thinking like you mentioned is this written by directed by starring uh, being uh, being portrayed by kind of fanboys and fangirls of Citizen Kane I think maybe because mm. it was so much of that it's like oh this happened and that was still like there's like, a lot of nods and references which i enjoyed i feel like would have loved a lot more if i was a huge lover of citizen kane 
But putting that aside, I really liked visually how the film kind of mirrored a style of that era. It was shot yeah. in black and white, as I've mentioned, yeah. which is always a bit challenging to dive into in a modern film because you're like, well, why is this black and white? There's, they've chosen to it in black and white. So straight away, there's a reason you're, you're waiting for that to be justified when you're watching a black and white film. But obviously it was in this case because they were very much trying to portray it like a film of that style. So it's hard to get into at the beginning because it feels a bit clunky, obviously purposely clunky. I imagine the camera shots and angles they used were probably the same ones that they'd use then. So you feel like there's a little bit of a lack of depth at times because it's purposely done like that. But once you get into it, that history and that kind of retro feel to it is actually quite heartwarming and interesting and adds to the rest of it. Oh, and also something so I just one thing I just wanted to add as well is like there's yeah. so many great lines in it as well. So from a visual point of uh view, but then also putting that with the dialogue, I feel that it's a it's quite a visually pleasing film in that sense. Even though it feels like a lot of the lot references might have been lost even if it saw citizen kane it might have been lost because i feel like it's for the absolute aficionado of the film it's very it's what's the line you used once um like a love letter to hollywood something like, anyway it, yeah. you said a lot of lines um but it was like a, <laughs> it was felt like a love letter to the film itself and um to mank the writer a lot of great elements to it, but that's just what I just wanted to wrap up my initial instinct was I felt like I would have got more out of it if I was a huge fan of Citizen Kane. What was it you wanted to say, Cam? No, indeed. Like, it's sort of, um, just to pick up on that, like, it is artistically and aesthetically, the film is like, really interested in that, in that sense because it is trying to mirror that sort of, um, you know, mirror the, the, the act of filmmaking in, in Hollywood at that particular time it really is a sort of a love letter to that particular um style of filmmaking um it's quite dark as well like it's the the actual the actual black and white filming it isn't crisp like it, what it is now like films sure. that are filmed in black and white like um like parasite for example um where it was re-released in black and white or um roma i think is a good example yeah or roma as well like the the black and white filming is crisper whereas in this one it is a little bit fuzzy it is a bit dark and it is mirroring i suppose the that 1930s feel but the thing that again it is a film i think for um for lovers of 1930s cinema or at least citizen kane i liked the fact that it's it's a film about writing as well and i think the the way the camera um with the typewriting uh edits yeah. that come up on the screen yeah, i think yeah. that's a quite a stylistically like, that really works it's um you know the act of writing in particular is something that the characters grapple with throughout the film and i guess a lot of you know in contemporary hollywood nowadays as well there's a sort of there is a tension between what actors choose to do just as a bit of a side note i was watching an interview i think i sent you this an interview with colin farrell and he was talking about yes, um, I did watch that. yeah about sort of oh what film should I take to watch what film should I do basically and he was talking about um, films that he did such as the Lobster that were like independent films that you get a lot out of that through because of the way that the, the script artistically how it's filmed it's a film for a specific audience and there's a there's an acknowledgement of that um, 
and it's got to choose between doing a film that's artistically comfortable or choosing to do a film that's going to make you a lot of money at box office, like a big action movie. And I think that's alluded to. That, that's, a, that's a problem that sort of exists within Hollywood right now. It's like what films actually get funding. You know, is it the artistic film that sort of makes you want to challenge your life or question your life? Or is it a film that's going to guarantee to make a you know a fuckload of money at box office? Like there is a tension there in terms of which films get funding and which voices are represented that's a contemporary issue but what this film does as well is that it alludes to it that's exactly the same problem that exists in the 30s the act of writing is at odds with the commerciality of hollywood in the 30s mm-hmm. that's why the jazz music is placed specifically at certain points whereby the writers are having these conversations and it's like rewrite 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 it's it's like a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a a meat grinder and you know there's the the uh, the scene when um, the uh, the self assurance of of the screenwriters they uh, they just when when uh, Menkovitz goes to visit uh, is it Amanda Siegfried's character uh, on the set when they're doing some sort of western flick yeah, yeah. and uh, the right the, the directors of that film just go oh he's he's just another writer. Yeah, and there's a lot of there, references, just like because they start the Writers Guild, don't they? And when exactly. the leader of the uh, production house asks everyone to take half pay, there's I know what you're saying they're like the meat grinder. It's the start of the kind of commercialization of film. No, indeed, yeah, and I think um, that's that, that's sort of mirrored even further when they're talking about the influence of the industry, like when he's at the dinner party and. Uh, he gets really really drunk and then he, he vomits all over the floor and he he go he, he sort of starts critiquing the the actual writing of of the the writing industry and the the act of writing in hollywood um and he goes who pays your wages and it's like it's the um the person that pays his wages are the are the, are the, the public that make big money that that pay to go and see these films that make that make the big money basically um and there's another scene as well when they're talking about um, politics as well with Upton Sinclair, which again, there is a tension, a political tension associated with what films should be made and which ones should be disregarded or what type of writing is acceptable in Hollywood at that point. I mean, they they say that well, we don't like your writing, but they like the way you speak, which I think is interesting. Yes, um, and I, I totally agree. I think... The depiction of society at the time is a huge theme within this film. Obviously, Citizen Kane is as well, from what we know of it. But um, <laughs> it's really depicting that, like you say, on one level, the conflict between the writing and the production of films at the time, as a lot more money's going into it, so that separation, there's that greed, and there's that commercialization of it. But also in wider society, you get the depiction as well of people on the picket line outside the production houses and how a lot of the extras are out of work. I know that's kind of extending more to the split within society, like you said, amongst the time of the Great Depression. It's depicting that, but then also saying, well, look at a time of depression. There is great greed going on. And Mm. again, one of the themes of Citizen Kane, it's looking at it from the smaller level of, the writing, the art, the craft against the commercialization, which looking in wider society of the greed of big business against the smaller needs of the day-to-day person. I mean, a timeless theme which gets repeated over and over again is so relevant now. But I think 
one of the extra things I wanted to add in there and pick up for when you said is one of the great victories of this film is the writing and is also how that writing is then delivered through the character of Mank and the performance of Gary Oldman. Like, so good. That, for me, was the standout of this film, was the writing was brilliant. I remember finishing it thinking, there's so many great lines in it. It bounces back. Like, that scene where you're saying where they're all discussing the rise of Hitler as if, you know, just like parlor chat. And there's a line in mm. it where, and Manx jumping in, and he's kind of being the jester in the scenario. He's the jester all the way through. I think he even gets referred to as the court jester at one point, especially when, yeah, it might even be that scene where he gives his big monologue, which yeah. is unbelievably theatrical. That's a fantastic scene. I mean, how he got through all that, but fantastic. Another bit of his um, brilliant performance. And there's a line where they're talking about it, because he's very much the thorn in the side of the establishment. And he says a line, and they're talking about socialism. And I think yeah. he says, like, socialism's for those who want to distribute the wealth, whereas communism's for those who want to distribute the poverty. Amazing yeah. line. Yeah. What a great yeah. line. And that um, portrayal, but also that part of that character, his wit, his acerbic wit, is cutting all the way through. And I think through the light research I did through this, but you get this from watching the film, is that Mankiewicz, as a person in real life, very much was seen as that somebody whose kind of cynical humour, like a Charlie Brooker, like cynical (sighs) humour and playful views but also he had a serious nature to him and that was very anti-establishment cut through in his films and made him the standout character and really was the thorn in the side of the establishment because they knew how great he was as a writer could produce but actually his views went against them and he would point the finger at them and the thing the biggest finger he pointed was citizen kane in the end and that's kind of you know what brought down a lot of people but his performance was fantastic so gripping all the way through i think the character as well, so interesting. I loved that. I feel I could connect with that. That almost the underdog nature he came through at points when he's fighting against the establishment in his own uh, cynical way. He gives up at times. He's an alcoholic. He you know smokes. He goes around. He doesn't really do much in his actions. But now and again, he does. When he says that he saves that family from Germany and he's going helping friends and things like that, he's got this fighter in him. But he often bats it away. But some of the lines he come out comes out with and Gary Oldman you know he's delivered a lot of great portrayals of uh, historical characters and I think that this is another fantastic one but yeah just picking up what you said the writing is very good and there's a lot of great lines in it that I think could be quoted from it what was it that kind of got you from the writing um no I I agree I I like the way Mankiewicz has been has been written in that respect um I thought there was a sort of a I don't know, there was a crippling innocence to him as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Sort of bumbling around from film set to film set, quite obviously drunk. Um, like at the end when. Um, <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah. Uh, but at the end when um, it, he, he died at the age of 55, um, yeah. and it shows him just him accepting his Oscar for winning Best Screenwriter, and there is a bit of a. There is a melancholy to it. Um, Particularly when they're talking about the uh, the growth of um, of Nazism in the thirties, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the people within this parlor are saying, "Who in the right mind would take someone like that seriously?" And 
I almost felt like uh, the people around him in that particular scene, they're trying to peek and sort of ooze out of their own self-made bubble they're all they all they're all very they feel assured in themselves they've you know they've sort of uh i guess new money maybe to yeah, quote yeah. uh fitzgerald perhaps this sort of people who've profited very well from sort of the 20s boom um very self-assured very suspicious of sort of people that want to challenge that as well like left-wing revolutionaries like they're very critical of upton sinclair in that scene as well um but then you know, you got then you got Mankiewicz sort of. He tries to challenge this, doesn't he? He sort of chips in all the time, but he's still on the periphery, isn't he? He's still, despite the fact he writes a film that that ends up winning best screenplay and has been lauded as the best film of all time, he's still depicted as being on the periphery, I guess, of of of, of the institution, the periphery of the of the uh, the the scene, and there isn't it. There is an innocence to it. There's a sadness to it. I think, um, and I feel like it's a uh, it's a story about how the underdog can sort of make people um, make people think. I mean, that final scene when he's at the end holding his Oscar, he's a weakened alcoholic. He is that is that is it is that isn't it? It's like the sort of he is he is he's a weak. He's standing on he's standing on the on the shoulder of his own sort of um, of his own writing it is a film about writing but it's also about a film about writing a writing but then having to deal with it, your wider sort of yeah issues i mean he even says that like uh i can't remember the exact quote but he sort of he half of the problems that he experienced was self-created and he acknowledged that there was no denial that he was he had a problem mm-hmm. um and i think there is a sort of uh there is an innocence to that and it was quite refreshing, actually, to sort of because when you talk about great films and great writers, you we always tend to focus on the sort of what their successes were. But this film, really, the actual writing of Citizen Kane was he was really miserable. Like, yeah, at least yeah, yeah, he yeah. seemed it anyway. The process of it was was you know, I mean, when he was pissed, he was having a great time, obviously. But then, but then it was, it, but then again, it's it, it's that back and forth, isn't it? And this is why the writing's so good. It's like. At one point, there's levels of jo- of is that everyone's jovial and there's this, this big sort of um, oh yeah to be a part of this sort of 1930s Hollywood scene, this own self-contained bubble, this flourishing bubble where everyone's self-assured and confident and you know they're surrounded by these great writers. That's brilliant, but then it comes right back down to, again when it's like oh actually they're human beings and they all have their own issues. Yeah, that's yeah, why and- that, that's why that, the writing is quite powerful in, in making that point. I think. And the fact that it depicts that process, like you said, it is quite a mundane, miserable process of him writing it. There's mm. a similar message and depiction in Midnight in Paris of the idea of the writer and exploring that. Because something like the idea of the film Citizen Kane, the finished product becomes bigger than everyone. We discuss films on here every week. And we're discussing Mm. the themes, we're discussing the performances, we're discussing what it does to you. Like the end product of a film is is bigger than everyone involved with it. But obviously the writer creates a big chunk of that. But writing is a very practical task. It's you sit down in the good old days, pen and paper or typewriter, or now on your computer and write words in a practical, physical way. That stage, there's nothing magical about that, but yet something magical comes from it. And it's interesting to see that and see it actually played out. Because like you said, it's it's a miserable, mundane thing. Like The magic doesn't happen 
in those moments. It's something that builds over time and between people and what it does. And we said this film's an old Citizen Kane. No, it might actually be a, a real old and a, and a look up and a putting her on the pedestal of the writer and the power of writing. And No, it, yeah, the, the, that's such an interesting point. Um, it just came to me then. I was watching an interview earlier with Billy Bragg, um, and he was talking out obviously, obviously. Um, <laughs> and he was <laughs> this is on loop for you. <laughs> yeah, dude, just listening to his, you know, uh, his parrying union. Ah, um, but yeah, he. Uh, I watched an interview with him um, that he did with Owen Jones, and he was talking about um, uh, how music can't doesn't have the power to change the world. And I thought, what? That's ridiculous. But then I actually thought about it and thought. Well, maybe he's got a point. And it's the sort of like the art itself. It's how people interpret it and then what people do with that. It's the audience. It's the consumer. It's the sort of, it's the, I mean, there was a, you know, the fact that it's been lauded as the greatest film of all time. That's something that people have given it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's the audience. It's the people who interact with the art that exactly. sort of creates, creates the, um, the aura around it. Um, Walter Benjamin spoke about that, I believe. Uh, just to sort of we get my go uh, really deep into some right. Yeah, we could, we could, we could, we could go deep, but um, <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the interview with Billy Bragg just got me thinking about the idea of what the power that art has and how people interpret the art is is really really powerful. And mm-hmm. you know that's why the the actual, I mean, the typewriter plays such a huge part of this film. The actual object of the typewriter. Um, I think is quite powerful in emphasising the the clatter, 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 and the sort of the the how it is quite mundane. The actual act of writing, but it's like what what does that writing become once it's completed? Once mm-hmm. that misery is over, what happens after that? And I think that's yeah. that's the sort of that's the sweet spot, isn't it? It's the that's the bit where you sort of where art can sort of go in any direction once it's done. I mean that that's I'm making it sound profound. The fact that oh, a piece of art once it's finished, you can go anywhere with it. No shit. But it's I'm trying. The point I'm trying to make is it's the audience and the people that read it and well, exactly. It and that that is the point. It. That's the yeah, point. There. Exactly. It's not like oh, here's the writing. When the writing's in his hand, there's no magic there. It's only once the first person reads it, the magic starts to begin. Yeah. And it's interesting to see that because normally you just get people referred to as like oh, Orson Welles. Mankiewicz, yeah, a great. They produced a great film, wrote a great film, and you just picture them as these kind of like godlike figures. But you're like, there's an actual process in there that's not all that magic, and it's affected by real life and circumstance. And what was written was a product of that circumstance and the process it went through. Like that's a fascinating mm. part of the film for me. Anyway, we're gonna have to wrap up a bit here, Callum, because we're gonna go down some paths, and I know we could always go down the paths, but I think we said a lot of good stuff. So let's bring this to an end with a little summary. I'll begin mm. with my summary. Like I said, one of my favourite parts of this film was the character, the lead character, Mank, and the performance from Old Man. So good. One thing I wanted to add before was his voice. There's always lyrical nature to his voice. Like, it was just mesmerising when you listen to him. He's delivering all these magical lines, but also in a fantastic way that kind of made you on a side of him. A bit cheeky, but also profound at the same time. It's brilliant. So I thought... That was great. From a visual point of view, the black and white works. It was interesting to see that 30s cinema portrayed in a modern film. Uh, Writing, brilliant. Historical elements, 
fantastic. Like I said, the big downside for me was that it felt very much like it was written for the huge fan of Citizen Kane by a huge fan of Citizen Kane. Fine, I'm not that, partly because I've not watched it, but at the same time, <laughs> it still felt niche to somebody. You know, like, it's think of your favourite film and then write a film about saying how much you love it. It felt kind of like it was for, like, a fan community. Nothing wrong with that, but it just took a bit away from it because some of the references were quite niche and sometimes the plot lines hung on that rather than being interesting for their own merits but i did enjoy it i definitely think it was worth watching like i said from visually the performance was great and i did enjoy that element of it i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten for that reason and like i said it it lacked the extra bit for me just because i felt a bit uh distance from the story sometimes how about you callum no, it is that, isn't it? It's about like sort of you've you've got to really be invested or at least know about. I feel like the nineteen thirties um, landscape of cinema. I mean, I had to go and do as the when I was watching the film, I had to keep pausing it and then going to like, oh, they've said a name here. I don't know who that is, so I had to go and research and look it up who this person is that they're talking about because, like you said, there's some scenes that they're in the entire meaning of that scene rests on you knowing who that particular person is. So it is very much a love story to um, that particular um, t- period of t- time period. And I guess, you know, maybe I highlights, you know, my, my, maybe my sort of ignorance to it, I guess, like, you know, maybe I should know about this stuff considering we do a weekly film review, you know, maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's says more about me than it does about the artistic nature of the film. The fact that I felt, Sort of, I said, out my depth is the wrong word, but certainly, com- um, and I, I, I had to go and I had to pause it, and I feel like if you're having to pause a film to find out and just find out who that person is, it requires a lot of attention. I'm going to give it seven out of ten, just because it that for me that broke the flow of watching sure. it. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, artistically, it's brilliant though as a piece of filmmaking and a piece of writing, it's absolutely brilliant. I certainly, you know, give it you know, nine, ten out of ten in terms of like the writing and the sort of the historical aspects associated with that as well, like with the sort of depicting um the sort of the, the political and the wealth and influence of Hollywood in the thirties, I think is really interesting and the score is great as well. I think that really adds an extra layer to the film. Um but yeah, for me it was just I don't know, it was I had to it was I had to really sort of I had to really invest a lot of my sort of energy in researching around the film rather than actually watching the film, if that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And thank you for sharing your views, Callum, and the research you put in. Always good to hear that you're doing the research. But that wraps us up. That was Mank. Like I said, I don't think we're going to hear the last of that because it is tipped to be nominated for a few Oscars this year. They're coming up very soon. A lot of films obviously lined up, but have been released online, so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes, and you might get a few more left-field ones being nominated and maybe winning Oscars. But thank you once again, Callum. That's that's all we've got on Mank. We've chatted about it, we've pulled it apart, we've enjoyed it to an extent, but we will keep going, (laughs) keep watching films, and bringing you the reviews. So thank you for listening. Keep watching the films yourself. And we will keep watching and reviewing. See you all soon. Bye-bye.